words of the week or quotes of the week. And I want to say some of these together just to kind of challenge us, to kind of let it sink in our hearts. And so read this with me, all right? The first one is this. Bold prayers honor God. There was that dad, was that ahead of you? All right, here we go. Bold prayers honor God, and God honors bold prayers. Not too bad. Let's say this one. There's nothing God loves more than keeping promises, answering prayers, performing miracles, and fulfilling dreams. Do you believe that? That's God's heart for us. And he wants us to be praying bold prayers. And the book, of course, is based off of a story of a legend of a Jewish sage, the first century B.C., in the face of a devastating drought threatening to destroy an entire generation, Honey circles himself and then prays. He says, God, move on our behalf. Send rain. He prayed an incredibly bold prayer. And you know what's interesting? When we talk about bold prayers, we talked about this last week, that sometimes bold prayers look like foolishness. But we learn that faith is the willingness to look foolish. And we looked at the, when they circled Jericho seven times, it may have looked foolish. When Moses told the children of Israel that God was going to provide meat for them in the desert, it may have looked a little foolish. Peter stepping out, in, out of the boat into the water may have looked foolish. And even Jesus wearing a crown of thorns with blood dripping down his face may have looked foolish, but it was faith. And we've been saying, Lord, increase our faith to believe the impossible. And I believe that with God's help, we can do that. As I was studying this week, I came across a verse. And actually, I was just, not, I was just reading through, the, through Scripture. And I came across Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. And I want you to turn with me there. If I would have uh, read this the week before, I would have included it in last week's message. But it just, it spoke so clearly to me that I said, man, about boldness and confidence, the access that we have as believers, that we can be fearless and that we continually come to our Father and, uh, and to know that we can walk in confidence. Listen to what it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 12. It says, in him, that's talking about Jesus, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and with confidence. With freedom and with confidence. And you know what's interesting when you study that text? In the Greek, it's the present tense. That it's not a once and done, like, okay, you have faith for this moment, and you have freedom for this moment, and then that's it. No, it's a continual freedom. It's a continual confidence in who God is. And church, we have access to Jesus. And so we can have the confidence, and what happens is it changes our prayer life. The way that we pray is by what we believe. Boldness is behavior born out of belief. Let me say that again. Boldness is behavior born out of belief. I was thinking about that for uh, this week. I, I like to play basketball a lot. In fact, this last week I played two times, Tuesday and on Thursday, and I uh, played better on Tuesday than Thursday, but that's okay. Um, but it's interesting, my confidence level, my boldness on those nights is pretty, pretty even. I'm pretty confident I can show up, and I know the guys that pretty much play, and I pretty much play at their level 
maybe a little bit better. I don't know. No, I'm just kidding. No, we, but it's interesting. We, we play, and I can show up, and I can perform at a certain level and be pretty confident about it. But tomorrow night at Logan's basketball practice, where I've invited all the dads to suit up, and we're going to have a little father-son scrimmage at the end. It's our last practice of the season. I thought, oh, that'd be fun. Now, would I be worried about that game? <laughs> you know, the confidence level coming into that game of playing 8, 9, and 10-year-olds is a little different than on Tuesdays and Thursday nights. My confidence is high. I'm pretty bold that if we wanted, we could crush those kids, <laughs> right? And that's our plan, right? <laughs> but just I was thinking about it. You know, it's March Madness and uh, the, the uh, Big Ten tournament's coming up and then the, uh, the NCAA uh, National Championship uh, road to the Final Four and all those things. If I was asked to play on one of those teams, let me just tell you, my belief that I could play at that level is pretty low. And so what would happen? My confidence or my boldness would be pretty low as well. You guys tracking with me? And when we look at our prayer lives, what you pray for is often telling of what you believe about God. Where's your confidence? Who's your confidence in? If you believe that Jesus doesn't care about you, you're probably not going to pray. If you pray small things, it's probably because you believe God can only answer small things in your life. If you only pray about yourself, me, 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 it's telling of who's important in your life. Our prayers, the point is, reflect our belief in God. And our prayer is how we connect with God. In Ephesians 3, 12, we would have brought it in last week, but I said, I got to share that a little bit. It brings us confidence. And so I also given you an assignment that from, uh, from today till Easter, from a few weeks ago till Easter, to take a day to take a half a day and to get away just you and God on a little prayer retreat. You need a word from God like I do, an encounter, to dream big, to have bold prayers, prayers for healing and for salvation, prayers for reconciliation and for provision, to pray over a zip code, maybe your neighborhood or, or your work or wherever the Lord may lead you to pray over your debt situation or to pray over your kids or your wives, or your wife, not wives. <laughs> and then we've been saying, in that process, to be praying for us as well. Four things we're praying for. We're praying, number one, for revival. And when we say revival, what we're talking about is transformed lives, people coming to Christ on a regular basis here. But more than that, I mean, in addition to that, is that we are also praying that our lives, that we would be, be discipling people to be growing, to be used by God, because when we are growing and being used by God, it impacts a community and it impacts the world. Do you believe that? And so we've been praying for revival. We've also been praying about our property circumstances and saying, okay, Lord, give us clarity on where we are to be long-term. It's about time that we get a, a crystal clear, sharpen our focus, and we're asking God to help us in that way. 
We're also asking you to pray for the community. When we drive or when we take our run or when, we, when we're at school or at work, wherever you go, we want you to be praying circles around those that you're rubbing shoulders with, believing that God will use you to impact people's lives. And then the last thing we're praying for is our staff. We're praying for Deb and for Pete. We're praying for Bonnie in the office and Penny and, and our worship team. And, and we're also praying not only for our current leadership, praying for me and Jessica and our family, but we're praying for our future leaders as well. As we sow seeds in prayer in these areas, we're asking God to do the impossible. Now, today, we're going to take it another step. We talked about bold prayers last, last week. Today, I want to talk about praying hard. Praying hard. And if you've been tracking in the book, we're in uh, chapters 8, 9, and 10, I believe. And what's interesting is chapter 8 starts off and talks about the standardized math test. And they studied Japanese students and American students. And they tracked them for years and saying, okay, what's the difference? Why do Japanese kids consistently score higher on their math achievement tests? Well, it's not that they're more intelligent. What they found It's persistence. It's time spent studying and learning. And it's so true about our prayer lives as well. When we pray hard, when we're persistent, it moves the hand of God, I believe. There's another story in that chapter that talks about the difference between a world-class violinist, a good violinist, and an average, someone that would never play professionally. They tracked a a group of violinists from age 8 and watched their practice habits all the way to age 20. And you know what's interesting? If you wanted to be an average violinist, you would need to practice about 4,000 hours in that time span. If you wanted to be above average and be good, you needed to double that to 8,000 hours. But if you wanted to be in the elite the average elite violinist spent a minimum of 10,000 hours. That is persistent. The magic bullet in that study was 10,000 hours. Then they applied that in other areas, and whether it was composers or basketball players, fiction writers, ice skaters, concert pianists, chess players, there was something about 10,000 hours about being persistent, about studying over and over that made the difference. And I don't think there's much difference when it comes to prayer. We pray hard, we pray through, and we are persistent in prayer. And I believe that it moves the hand of God, that it, God answers those prayers. I want to take you to a, a section of scripture, chap, uh, Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, an incredible story. It's a parable that Jesus is sharing about prayer. Listen to what it says. It says, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Everyone say, not give up. He said, In a certain town there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared for me- about men. And there was a widow in the town who kept on coming to him with a plea. Grant me justice against my adversary. For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, even though I don't fear God, I don't care about men, yet because this widow 
keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice so that she won't eventually wear me out with her coming. How about that? Verse 6 says, And then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night, who will keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see that they get justice and quickly. That God would move on their behalf quickly. There's something about this story. The persistent widow that came and kept on knocking until her knuckles were raw. She cried out until her voice was gone, pleaded with God until her tears ran dry. She was praying hard. She was pushing through, praying through, and the result is that God came through big time on her part in this, par- in this parable. It was more than just words. It was blood, sweat, and tears. See, there's something about prayer and about praying hard that's two-dimensional. The first thing is that praying, we pray like God, like it depends on God. And secondly, we work like it depends on us. Praying for the, as long as it takes. Desperate times call for desperate measures. And that's what happened in the widow's case. We don't know what she was struggling with. We don't understand. We don't get the full picture. But she was desperate, and she kept on coming over and over to the judge. This morning, I ask you, how desperate are you for a miracle in your situation, in your life? Are you willing to pray through the night? Are you willing to circle a prayer over and over and over a holy desperation? You know, some people, they like to live by protocol, But you know what? When it comes to prayer, I believe that God throws protocol out the door. I just finished reading through the New Testament, um, something that we're going to do in a a couple months as a a church. We're going to encourage the entire body in eight weeks to read through the New Testament. It's going to be great, uh, and we'll uh, preach around that. But as I read through that, Jesus, he answered prayers or persistence in unusual ways. Jesus honored the prostitute who crashed the party at the Pharisee's home and anointed Jesus. Jesus honored the tax collector who climbed up in a tree to get a glimpse of Jesus unconventional. Jesus honored the four friends that cut in line, by the way, at a prayer meeting, went up on the roof, cut a hole in a ceiling to drop their friend down so Jesus could pray for them. And Jesus honored the widow in this story, in this parable, who drove the judge absolutely crazy. A holy desperation. And what's interesting is that there's desperate times call for desperate measures. And that's where Honey was. And the story of Honey is that there was this devastating drought. And he's thinking back in his mind that Elijah, there was a drought in Elijah's day. Elijah called it and said, hey, there's going to be a drought for three years. And then he called that there would be rain. And so he's familiar with the story. In fact, we could turn in our Bibles to James chapter 5 and look at the verse that were remembered in the New Testament. Elijah was just a man just like, look, just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. 
And he prayed, and the heaven gave rain, and it produced its crops. In two verses there, we see a snapshot of what happened in 1 Kings chapter 18, a whole story. There's a, quite a bit behind it. They had just spent a day with, with the prophets of Baal, 400 of them, slashing themselves, cutting themselves, calling on the prophets, the gods of Baal, and no, and no fire came down on the, on the altar. And then Elijah steps up, and he says, Oh God, a simple prayer. Lord, send fire on this altar. They poured water on the altar. It was soaking, and all of a sudden it's consumed and completely gone. Interesting story. You can read about it. But then after that, Elijah says, he says, Now, now that we see whose God is real, know that God is real because, again, we're going to have rain. Then he goes up to the mountain. He takes a servant with him. And this, this story is amazing about persistence. He gets on his knees. And he says, oh, God, you just I answered this prayer in a powerful way. Would you please send rain? And he sends his servant to go look. And his servant comes back. He's starting to say, Master, there's no rain, no clouds in sight. Does he give up? No, he gets back on his knees and says, oh, God, I pray, Lord, would you send rain to, as a sign of you, for you to show your glory? Not two times, not three, four, five, six. Six times the servant comes back and says, there's no rain in sight. But does that stop Elijah? No. After the seventh time, there's, the servant comes back there's a cloud forming. He says, ha, here comes the rain. And God provided supernaturally. Now, let me just ask this kind of hypothetical question. But what if Elijah had prayed only six times? What if Honey would not have circled himself in and prayed? What if the widow would have stopped asking? What if they would have lost heart? lost passion, lost patience, what if they would have become weary? It's easy to lose the dream, isn't it? Think about your own lives. To give up on a miracle, to give up on the memories, to lose faith, feeling like a failure. You've prayed before and saying, God, you haven't answered my prayers in the past. What do we do? I shared the story first service that Jessica and I, we've been there. There was a season uh, not too long ago where Jessica was up almost every single night in pain. Hadn't had a good night's sleep in years. But then we kept on knocking, kept on praying. We kept on pushing. We said, God, you've got to give us an answer. I told my wife, I said, you've got to go back. We can't live this way forever. And there was a little uh, powder that you shake in orange juice. And believe it or not, she drinks about this much each night before bed, and by and large, she's, she sleeps through the night. If we would have stopped, if we wouldn't have been persistent, if we wouldn't have said, hey, and they found this natural remedy, if we wouldn't have, if we wouldn't have done that, she would still be experiencing that pain at night. But sometimes we feel like we've, we've been praying, God hasn't been answering, we feel like a failure, but I want to say, the only way you can fail when you're praying is if you stop praying. 
it may seem like forever that you've been praying for your kids for them to come back to the Lord. It may seem like forever that you've been praying for healing. I've, I sense that sometimes. I've expressed that, that you know, when it comes to our property and saying, God, where do you want us? That it seems like forever that we've been praying about, God, where, where do you want us as a church long term? And what happens is we become weary. But you know what? Weariness, it's real, but it's not God's heart for us. Even when we pray hard, we can become weary. Weariness can affect each and every one of us. None of us are susceptible. And what's interesting, it's not that it's like a fatigue. It's different than physical exhaustion. Weariness is an ailment of the soul, not of the body. It's a weariness that draws strength out of us, deep down in our souls. And sometimes when we're weary, we need something beyond ourselves to revive us. What kind of things cause weariness? There's a a list a mile long, I'm sure. I listed a few. Listen to these. Anxiety certainly can cause weariness. Spiritual boredom. How about grief or sickness or pain, chronic pain? If you're stretched too thin for too long, you can become weary. Loneliness can cause weariness. A broken heart, broken dreams, a lack of peace. Criticism in your life can cause weariness. And how about this? A delay of answered prayer can cause weariness. And when we are weary, we try all kinds of things to escape, maybe exercise or food or entertainment. On the, on the more negative side, we can turn to drugs or alcohol or, or cigarettes, or we can go out and say, hey, I'm just going to spend money even if I don't have it just to make a, me feel better. But we don't need any more of human ideas. What we need when we're weary is God's Word. There's two verses or two passages in Scripture that I want to tie together. The first one is Matthew eleven twenty eight, and we're going to see how we can tie that in with Isaiah chapter 40. I want you to turn to both places, if you would. And first of all, in Matthew chapter 11, we see here, this is God, talk, Jesus talking to his disciples, talking to a group of people, and he's saying, look, He's saying, at this time, uh, verse 25, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your good pleasure. Verse 27, all things you have committed to me by my Father, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Now, Jesus says this, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What they're saying here is that Jesus can give you rest. Peace, confidence. Life without Christ would be exhausting. And now let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40 and see how it ties in. This is God speaking 
um, comforting God's people. He says, do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. It's God who gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths run or grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope or those who wait in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. What I want you to see here is the reality of where we are. We're all susceptible to weariness. It says here that even the youth can get tired. And the youth in that particular context were the specialists in military, the fighting men. They were the best of the best. And what, what the Isaiah is saying is that even the youth will run weary. The only person that doesn't get weary is God. Aren't you thankful for that? God does not grow weary with your marriage or with your unemployment or with the pain that you have been experiencing. God Instead, he gives strength to the weary. And in Isaiah there, we see the cure for being weary is to wait on God, to pray hard, to be persistent. And again, waiting or hoping in the Lord is not passive. That hope there is an expectant hope. Where Jesus would say, come to me, don't wait, circle in prayer, pray hard like the widow, pray like it depends on God, and work like it depends on you. Reagan, I'm going to ask that you come at this time. This morning, I want to look at one other verse that just really leapt off the pages to me this week. Exodus chapter 17, you can turn in your Bibles there. As we look at this story, I want you to answer some questions in your lives this morning. Are you worn out? Do you need strength? Are you tired? Are you broken? Are you ready to give up? Are you tired of praying? Have you lost the dream, lost the hope that you may once have had? Are you bruised this morning? The question is, is are you weary? Let's look at this story in Exodus chapter 17. It's an interesting story. It says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of the men and go out to fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, and Israelites were, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. You know the story. The battle was raging. Moses, if his hands were up, 
The children of Israel were winning. But when his arms slipped and fell, the Amalekites began to win. Now what's interesting about this story is that it took others to bear the burden with them. And this morning, if you're tired, if you need strength, if you're broken, if you're weary, if you're ready to give up, if you've prayed and your answer, the answer hasn't come, if you've lost a dream, if you're worn out this morning, don't give up. Don't get distracted. Don't stop praying. If you're weary this morning, don't, don't worry because there's nothing to be ashamed of. It's not a shame thing. Any of us can get weary. Don't throw in the prayer towel, though. Keep on praying. Do you know what Matthew 11 says? says? Jesus says, come to me. Pray hard. Pray through. Count on me to come through for you. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking of a few years back when I was training for my trail marathon, 26 miles in the woods, 10,000 feet of climb. And I remember some of those training runs. Some of my training runs were 15, 17, 18, 19, 20 miles long. And I, I guarantee you, as I remember, there were times that I was weary, that I was fatigued, I wanted to give up. But I knew I had a goal in front of me. But you know what's interesting? I trained properly. And then when it came to the, to the actual day up in the Manistee Forest to run, I was ready. I, in fact, I finished and I, I was telling the kids and, and uh, my wife after the, after the event, I said, man, I feel like I could run another marathon. It was ridiculous. I felt that good. It was because I had put in the time. I had worked hard. Was I going to give up? No way. And the same is true for us. If, I believe there's some dreams this morning that need to be resurrected. Dreams that God has put in your heart. There may be a need in your life that you've been praying for. And today, we're going to put some jumper cables on it. And we're going to supercharge and get that prayer ball going again. No matter what is concerning you. You may have been circling something in prayer for years. But today, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep on going. Now, if you've been reading along in the book, you may have got to this point. The hardest thing about praying hard is when there's unanswered prayer. Have you ever been there where you've prayed and you've asked God for something and it hasn't come to be? Let me just show hands. Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to all of us. Well, Mark Batterson has an interesting perspective on that. Listen to what he says. He says, the hardest thing about praying hard is enduring unanswered prayers. Would we agree? And if you don't guard your heart, unresolved anger towards God can undermine your faith. Sometimes your only option is trust because it is the last card in your hand. 
but it's a wild card. Trust. If you can trust God when the answer is no, you're likely to give him praise when the answer is yes. You need to press in and press on. By definition, praying hard is praying when it's hard to pray. Have you ever been there? I know I have. And it's the hard times that teach us how to pray hard. But if you keep praying through, the peace that transcends understanding will guard your heart and your mind. I appreciate that. Because that might be exactly where you are today. What you're believing God for, for your family, for your situation, for the healing, for restored marriage, for, for uh, financial miracles. And maybe you're here this morning and you're just weary. This morning, if that's you, in a few moments, we're going to ask that you would stand and we're going to partner with you. If you're weary because of stress or anxiety or grief, or you've been stretched too thin, or maybe you're lonely, maybe you're weary this morning because of a broken heart or the dreams that have been shattered, or a lack of peace or criticism, or like we said, a delay of unanswered prayers. If that's you, in a moment, we're going to ask that you would respond by standing, and we're going we're to come alongside you, and we're going to pray. We're going to ask God to do what only He can do. But before we do that, with every head bowed and eyes closed this morning, I don't want to take it for granted this morning that you have a relationship with Jesus. I want to offer you salvation in the most practical of terms. Jesus says if you believe in him, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And if this morning, if you've never given your heart to the Lord, or you're in a place where you have given your heart to the Lord before, but you haven't, um, you've been living for Jesus and you need to come back to him, I'm going to ask that you would just slip your hand up in either circumstance, and I want to pray for you. Who here this morning is in that place saying, boy, that's where I am. I need Jesus to come into my heart to fill me up, to save me, anyone at all. Taking a quick look. With your head continue to be bowed, eyes closed, this morning, if you are in need of strength, if you're tired, if you're broken, if you are at the moment, you're saying, man, I, I'm ready to give up. Or maybe if you're honest with God, you're saying, I am tired of praying. I can't break through. The addiction is too great. I can't get the victory that I want or need. The lost dreams. If you're weary, first of all, let me just say that you're not alone. Even youth, even the best of the best will grow weary. But the promise is if we wait on the Lord, He will renew strength. If you're here this morning, I'm going to count to three. If you're here this morning and you're weary, I'm going to ask that you just stand when I say three. Just as a sign saying, God, I need your help. I'm ready. 
to be energized to pray again, to pray hard, to pray through. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Thank you, Lord, for putting your hand upon us, for making a way in our lives that we can call upon you and that you will answer. Lord, thank you for giving us strength. Thank you for your word that says that we will mount up on wings like eagles and will walk and not be faint. Thank you, God, for your ways. And God, thank you for giving us strength today, even if we're weary. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I'm going to count to three. And if that's you, that's where you are, would you be honest and just stand right where you are on the count of three? One, two, three. If you're weary today, just stand where you are. Sure. People standing all over. Sure. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask those that have just stood and maybe others that need to stand, I'm going to ask that you do something this morning. I'm going to ask that you would step out of your seats right from where you are and come, and I want you just to make a line along the front here and give yourself a little bit of room. Husbands and wives, you can stay together, of course, but, uh, but otherwise, give yourself some room, room here for a moment. Because what the Lord has put on my heart today is that we, as God's people, that we would stand together with each other. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask that you would come, those that are out here, to come and to take the hand of a person and we're going to hold up their arms. And we're going to put one person on one side, one person on the other, and we're going to lift up our hands together. And we're going to do that as a sign. In fact, I want everyone that's down here right now just to lift up your hands so you start to feel the weight of gravity kind of pulling our hands down. We understand that gravity is hard unless you're a superhuman. It's hard to hold up your hands for long. But you know what? This morning we're going to pray through. We're going to surround each other. We're going to pray for one another and ask God for miracles. We're going to ask God for the impossible in our lives. And we're going to ask that you guys here would respond and to come. Let's not let anyone here be alone. One on one side, one on the other, until they're all covered. Amen? Father, I pray this morning, that you would energize those here that are weary. There's no shame in that, but Lord, we just call upon you for your help and for your hand to be upon us. And Lord, I pray that you would use the rest of the body as an encouragement to speak into our li- into the lives of those that are here, to encourage, to hold up the hands of those here. Let them know they're not alone. And that, God, we can come to you just like you said to do. And we will receive rest, rest, confidence, provision, freedom. Everything that God has put in your heart, the dreams, the plans, God has put those things in your heart. He knows exactly where you are. He hasn't forgotten about you this morning. 
as your hands are getting tired, I want you just to lift them up a little higher here for a moment. Just as a sign. You can feel the weight. And now, church, I'm going to ask that all of you stand right where you are, and I want you to move and to find someone here that you that maybe the Lord would lead you to and put your hand underneath their hand and begin to carry the burden, to pray with them, and to just lift them up in prayer, each and every one here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's do it together. Amen.